Hello. Hi, John. Merlin, man. John Roderick. Mm, yeah, you're just improvising um, now. No, I'm not. It's jazz tune. Oh. It's modal. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, John yeah. Roderick. Well, that's not even Phrygian. I don't know what that is. It might be <laughs> that Aeolian. Was, that was, uh, that's Moroccan jazz. Aeolian's that stuff you get on the side at a, a hipster restaurant, right? I thought an aioli was a girl's nipple. Mm. <laughs> I have just uh, just introduced the mini ding, the sub ding, <laughs> clank. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry, I'm late. I apologize. It's all right. I, I didn't even notice that you were late until now. Mm, you can probably hear my K- you can hear my KFC. <laughs> oh, oh, KFC. Mm. God, I, I even when I walk by, I hate myself even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about I think about KFC chickens uh coming through like a HVAC tube <laughs> where they're just like chicken thump. I don't know if there's here- anything in science called an electro sluice, but that's what I imagine it being passed through. I imagine there's a, a certain kind of electricity that they've refined over the years mm-hmm. that can feed, kill, defeather. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, I, I just address the birds' parts. Yeah, it's some kind of Wonka thing where there's a <laughs> there's a fan blade spinning in a tube, and and Willy Wonka is like going through a psychedelic uh, boat ride, and then a, a, a live chicken goes in, and the fan blade debones it, right. defeathers yeah. it, and, it and, and breads it. Well, you know how it works when you take uh, you know any piece of literature, including a, a children's book, and you turn it into a movie. You've got a you know, have compression editing. You cut things out. There was actually a little boy from Florida named Johnny Chicken who got a golden ticket. <laughs> he's, from North, he's from North Florida, uh-huh. Alachua County. This is in the book. This is in the original. I'm pretty sure. What's his name? Roland uh, da- Darling? Rolled Doll? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a rolled doll. Have you, have you tried reading any of those books uh, to your child? No, my child is pre... Is pre-literate. Uh, mm, see, but actually, funny, you should say that turns out. Do you know that term, pre-literacy? No. This is interesting. I, I always felt like a dope for reading to my kid. Right. Well, not a dope, but I mean, I wondered how much was, you know, getting through. Right. I, I think it helps in getting her into comics, yeah. distorting her mind. But, you know, it's funny. I saw a thing hanging at the library. Who knows? Libraries today... You know, let's be honest. But uh, but there was a thing on there, and there's all the steps of what you go through, and one of the stages is called pre-literacy. And I was very happy to find out that, that my reading was not for not, because be, just being around books and interacting with books, having books around, turns out, can actually help your child with uh, their literacy. I guess you know, it seems a, obvious in retrospect. A library would say that. Uh, if you go to a Kentucky Fried Chicken, there's a big poster <laughs> about pre <laughs> <laughs> about pre- how you need to introduce your child to fried chicken smell. Pre poultryism. Pre poultry. Pre pre uh, pre masticated chicken teeth land. Not every child is ready for these eleven herbs and spices, but let yeah. us tell you a little bit. A little coleslaw, <laughs> yeah. not gonna hurt. Here's what you do. You take the spicy you take the spicy chicken and you just rub it on your child's top upper lip. Just rub it rub it rub it on the rub it on her gums and she'll and it's like giving a dog a little, a little cocaine. It's like giving a dog a, a a tennis ball a flat tennis ball full of peanut butter. Oh. The, the child will uh you know will be driven mad by this. I love delicious. giving a dog peanut butter. Mm. That makes my week. My dog, sometimes he would get my chewing gum out of an ashtray at our house. And uh, nothing funnier than watching... Watch so that. much in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, it was a standalone ashtray, right? One one that was on a stand. I think I might like, have just started. I, I just got halfway into a Scott Walker song. I think. Boy, his new record's insane. Um, but um, no, uh, it's funny though. When I go by, it's it is like a uh, what do you call it? A uh, court of last resort, I guess. Uh, I'm There's a, a lot of that in your neighborhood. There's a Taco Bell. It well, it's it is it's what my friend thing, Scott right? Simpson has has dubbed simply calling it hell, which is a KFC slash Taco Bell. And is there a Pizza Hut component in that too? Thank, thank Christ, there is not. <laughs> Pizza Hut is punishment. When I was a kid, they had a good jukebox and those cool red red cups. Sure, their pizza was <laughs> was second to Shakey's, but still pretty decent. My scout troop went there one day, and uh, we got to take a tour of the pizza hut this is as you do in cincinnati and uh even then this is 19 what maybe 76 77 and uh they had a (laughs) they made no attempt to hide the fact that the dough resided in an industrial garbage can with a lid right right and they would just just stick their pizza hut hands right in there and and (laughs) grab a whole dingus of dough yeah yeah Yeah. when i go when i the few times i have had occasion to have a pizza hut anything in the last 10 years like when you're traveling though you're like you're stuck that might be yeah, all it's open see, or you see them in airports the only place you can park or yeah exactly you get on a plane and you get the sense that they have they have one of those like uh sort of like grass seed disseminators or or fertilizer <laughs> like, you disseminator. hold it in one hand and you spin it around with the yeah, other <laughs> but but what they're putting in the top is like is like a government margarine <laughs> And they're just, they're I just saw heating. those guys open for the circle jerks one time. <laughs> they're just heating up this margarine and just <laughs> like the whole the whole back of a Pizza Hut has got to be just three inches thick of coagulant. I mean, I mean, like knowing that back in the day when you could still be a little bit artisanal about a chain restaurant, like knowing that back then, I mean, can you even imagine? I my KFC man, it's a black swan. It is so well, I, I shouldn't work ping pong, but the lady who I have no idea how this woman still is the manager of this place i won't say her name she's like uh she's a very plus-sized lady african-american lady and she is a goddamn fucking first-class riot because she's (laughs) she's super loud and she's super mad all the time she's yelling at the employees every and you know in my neighborhood English is the second language, including the Irish people. And, and people come in there, and if they are, what are you going to have today? And, and if they are not completely ready, chapter and verse, they got to know their pieces, they got to know their sides, they got to know which style. Right. Do you want original? Do you want spicy? Know. She reads them the riot act, and then she, she, she yells at them. It's, <clears throat> I like her a lot. And, you know, she has to deal with that chicken guy, you know, the guy who comes in and eats the chickens. But, um, yeah, I, I, every time I go in there, though, I do, hate myself inexplicably even more than usual and i instantly feel transported back to i don't know like childhood well you know my my week my weakness my childhood weakness fast food restaurant is arby's oh i loved arby's yeah i know but arby's we talked about arby's didn't we talk about arby's in the like liquid beef oh that's a there's a liquid beef problem yeah so explain that again now it arrives i'm when you when you described it a while back it sounded like you know like when you go you go buy like a thanksgiving turkey and it's this kind of avoid thing in shiny plastic i imagine it being like that yeah, well, I think what happens at an Arby's is the the, the semi truck backs up, and they and they unload like two hundred and fifty of these brain shaped cinder blocks of pseudo like yes yeah, cinder cinder turkey shaped blocks of beef that are like the they're like the brain of a super being, 
and they're and they're the same color, like you know, kind of like pinkish gray uh, oh, beef pods. And then the 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 fashion of their of their manufacturer at an Arby's is that they thin slice this frozen beef and then flash fry it, right? So it's super thin slicing of this frozen beef brain, and then flash fry it on some kind of hot griddle. And that's your Arby's sandwich. And I, I, I knew a kid who worked at an Arby's, and he said that if you left one of those frozen beef brains out of the freezer, that it, it, was, it became a bag of, of meat liquid. Ugh. That it was not actually, it was not actually, because of course there is no brain-shaped part of a cow except mm-hmm. its brain. Yeah. And that's, this co- that's costly though. That's a variety of meat. Yeah, this thing is like a twenty-pound thing, a twenty-pound, twenty-pound thing that clearly was extruded from an old-fashioned cake frosting machine, like, <laughs> and then flash it comes roast. from an Arby's pump. <laughs> but anyway, I still, when I drive past an Arby's and the sign out front says five Arby's sandwiches for five dollars, I turn into an eleven-year-old, mm-hmm. and I have to go in, and I know everything about it is wrong. Uh, and I'm going to be sorry, but I can't stop myself. It is a thing. It's a thing I like, I don't know, like from, from childhood or something. You know, in Hawaii, they have figured out a way to make spam seem like a cultural, uh, like a cultural imperative. Like they, they have to eat spam because it's their culture. And they have and to act like it's good. They have to act like it's good. They have to have, they have, to have fun with it and put pineapple slices on Ugh, it. Yuck. And I, I just feel like I feel like Arby's is my Hawaiian spam. Ar- Arby's is your Hawaii <laughs> because I always get a little Swiss cheese on it. Mm. You know, I don't want to talk about it. Well, a couple things. Are... First of all, like B, uh, oh my god, so disgusting. And A, I would love to know. Actually, you know what? I would not love to know. I would love to not know how your friend discovered that because the idea of uh, taking a a frozen beef ovoid and letting it get to a point where it melts into liquid does yeah. not say a lot about the QAQC well, uh, of an Arby's. You know, you know what it's like to work in fast food. There's not my that girlfriend much. and my best friend both worked at an Arby's in high school. Oh boy! So they know secrets that they're not telling. That smell does not come off. I'm curious. You have started to do this thing where you say where you have a short list of things. I say B then A, and you start with B. Mm-hmm. What is going on with that? I didn't. Are go you trying? Yeah, I didn't go to good school. Changing? I didn't go to good school. Come on, yeah. you know which comes first, A and B. Yes, but B. What are you doing? You're trying to subvert the dominant paradigm. Well, I don't want to be normative. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a uh, the Greek probably have a name for it. Like, uh-huh. you know, like syllogism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's names for, for most things. I don't things. think it's syllogism, but yeah. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of Ron Jeremy. There's, there's a, a Greek name for almost everything that involves oratory, mm-hmm. rhetoric, mm-hmm. and drama. Right. There's like a whole awesome Wikipedia page of like, you know, oh, like Oscar Wilde, the, you know, saying um, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Like there's a name for that. You're like synecdoche, metonymy, all those kinds of there, – there's, there's like dozens more of those yes. f- for the different devices. Right. The fallacies. There's, well, Rhetorical there's the fallacies. fallacies. Well, yeah, there's the fallacies, but there's also like the tips and tricks of like tips what, and tricks, what it all yeah. means. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You yeah. know, this is the crazy thing about reading the Greeks – the, uh, the the crazy and terrible thing, which is that you realize very quickly that they already thought of everything. Oh, I they know. were already as smart as anybody was going to get twenty five hundred years ago, 
and everything we think we've invented since then. I mean, sure, science. I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah, like but I mean, they, they, they made maximum, like they, they, they fucked every part of the Buffalo. They took every little bit of information that they had access to and they, they speculated about the things that they didn't understand, but like they exhausted every resource for trying to figure out the world. Yep. yep. I mean, Absolutely I mean, you true. know, so long before we did, it's really dispiriting, John. You think about if you if suddenly there was a, a collapse of civilization and electricity was gone. I mean, I don't know if you ever think about this, Merlin, but if you do twice a day, if you think about Hand of God twice a day, this situation where the where the lights go off and mm-hmm. we are back, we are back to uh, just what we have in books, and we have to we have to rebuild civilization. We would do such a much shittier job than they did, even with the books that they wrote in our hands. Yeah, we would we would do a shittier job. It would take us. 500 years to learn to carve stone uh, we would have to start at the beginning we would be we, we would be we would be carving we'd have to stone. start at, like before the beginning because yeah. we'd have to unlearn all the shit we learned from Gilligan's Island right we would have to un- we would have to unlearn touch screens and hashtags <sighs> and get back to you know caressing young men in a bath yeah which is how people are supposed to live it's called mentoring it's called mentoring. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So, not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, well, literally this am morning. I the only be in your bonnet? Mm-hmm. Make a little birdhouse. Oh, God, that is one of my all-time favorite songs. I know it you is. You know, people don't understand how important that song is. People do not understand, I don't think, how important They Might Be Giants are to you. You're just sucking up a little bit now. but I. <laughs> no, but seriously... It's a it's a Linnell song, so we shouldn't say it. But yeah. the um, but that song, uh, like they'll be, they'll need a crane. I don't think people really realize how important those songs are. Mm. You understand? So, it's a, it's literally it's it's a nightlight looking at a painting of a lighthouse. Yeah. And 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 I, I guess what having self esteem problems, like wondering what it's capable of. After killing Jason off and countless screaming Argonauts, I know, and you're you're about to J- cry, Jason and the Argonauts. You're about to cry, and I want to I want to just I want to let you have a moment. I'm your only friend. Let me take this. I'm away not from your me. only friend, but I'm a little <laughs> glowing friend. Somebody just tweeted at me yesterday that the Long Winter's cover of Pet Name yeah. by They Might Be Giants is perhaps their favorite song ever. Really? And that's quite a statement, considering that when we covered Pet Name, I felt that. That we did not get, I enjoyed our cover of it. I think you rocked I, it, yeah. And I and I did not feel that we got the got the acclaim that was our due, because of course the long winners are an also rand. Mm. They've been around longer though. You know what you should do? You should do an echo in the bunny men and get a drum machine. Sigh. I'm not. You know what? I'm done. I'm done sucking up to that guy. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, boy, I don't even know where to begin. I got a lot here. Arby's. Um, okay. So I am ready to write this down to the comic problem. But literally this morning, while I was urinating, it occurred to me mm-hmm. that if we had one of those situations where the grid went down and we lost it, but you know, let, let's 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 just say one of the problems is we wouldn't have the internet. We would not have Wikipedia at our ready access. Right, and, and a e- lot of us have gotten rid of our books. Sure, we've I gone have. E, right? I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm, yeah. looking, I'm sitting in a room full of books. That's serving you well. It smells like moths in here. <laughs> Learned <laughs> <But> I, moths. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when the grid goes down, this this will be the repository of all of all important human knowledge. I have the live from New York Saturday Night Live uh, oral history. Got it. You don't want to. You don't want to. 
you don't want to live in a future scape without that book. You know, here's the thing. You are going to encounter people like Chevy Chase after yeah. the apocalypse, yeah. and you need to be ready for that. Yeah, if you don't know that they exist, how can you be prepared? It's like it's like a great Grecian story in many ways. Grecian? Greekle? Greekle, yeah. <sighs> so I was, urinating, I, a, I was urinating. Yeah, I was okay, urinating, so. and it occurred to me, like, what, what would happen if something like that came along? And, uh, you know, a, as in the, uh, the, the breakout uh, issue of the uh, New Avengers, what if the mm. lights were going off, but kind of slowly? And, like, right, what if we knew off. we had some access to the resources on on the internet, but only for a certain amount of time, and we didn't know how long that was. This is I, I wasn't even yearning for all that long, but this right. is what happens as you do. It goes through your mind, and I was thinking like, if we knew that there was a limited amount of time, but didn't know how long, like where would we start to make sure we had what we needed, assuming we could print it out or whatever? Well, this you know? is one. Of, is this, this kind is of what you're my, talking about? Like, where this would is you one begin? Of my daydreams where I think if I was a time traveler, and I had. Two hours to prepare to bookmark as many pages in my iPhone as I could before traveling back in time, not to a pre-electricity time, but traveling back. Let's say I'm time traveling back to 1940. Oh, man. That's a lot of responsibility. And I need to bookmark as much stuff in my phone as I can that I don't already know that I'm going to want access to. I have two hours. Mm. What do I put in my phone? Is this for you to remember, or do we assume in this universe that you would be credible enough for them to believe what you were showing them were this true? This is the problem. How you, so you end up in 1940. You're there. You have no money. <clears throat> you're dressed in your dumb modern clothes. Your schlubby modern clothes. You look like there's something wrong with you, right? People on the street are going to immediately look at you and say, what's wrong with that guy? His haircut is weird. You look like you're somebody from the bonus march. Yeah, his, exactly. His clothes, his clothes are weird. Something's not right about this guy. And you have to establish credibility in 1940 in such a way you have to you have primarily, you have to first establish the baseline of credibility that somebody is going to get you dinner, right? Like you, you, you're, it, you're in 1940, but you're still you still need to eat dinner. You still need to have oh, a place right. to stay. You that have to first have night. you have to have contemporary civility. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that sounds to, silly, yep. but that's part of it. Is you don't want to seem like a nut, right? And you have to be able to approach somebody and say, and 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 this includes like finding your forebears. Like my dad was alive in 1940. Your dad was a lawyer, wasn't he? Uh, no, yeah, he, 1940. He was, oh, yeah. he was he was a Navy cadet or whatever. <laughs> he was spilling coffee on his pants. <laughs> but I know where my grandmother and uh, I know where she lived in 1940. Do I show up at her door, knock on the door and say, hello? You go back to rural Ohio. <laughs> hello. But, you know, Mary Louise Rochester, I am a relative of yours. And she's going to say, really? Well, come in. And I'm going to say, yes. And I'm going to tell a little bit about <gasps> my family. That's a great way to start. Yeah. And she's going to go, now, who are you related to? And I'm going to go, well, I am your cousin. And I'm going to, you know, like trickle off some relative that I, that I vaguely remember that she would know that is ambiguous enough that she's not going to be able to check it. So then you, I, you know, Uncle Cal, who yeah, dies uh, in uh, 2000. <laughs> I'm Uncle. I'm Uncle Ralph's uh, second uh, cousin once removed. But you, and, you, you know, could have enough to go in and seem plausible, right? And and in the in the manner of the time, she would feel obligated to let me stay in the guest room for a night or two. But then I'm on my own, trying to establish a new life in 1940 with what I know is about to happen. How do I? What do I do? Like what? Not only what are my historical obligations but like how do i provide a living for myself in that time 
with what I, you know, what I know is about to transpire without being a war profiteer or without going to a gambling house and betting, betting all, you know, betting the $10 that I've put together on the fact that the Japanese are going to bomb Pearl Harbor on December 7th. <laughs> you know, like, I'm a time traveling war profiteer. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. How do you, how do you, how do you ethically live in the past? <laughs> with the knowledge that you have of the future and and cyclone b futures i have my iphone and okay. it does do we, and, do we and assume so can i ask you some questions about this just just to have some parameters okay i'm sorry i don't interrupt you but a i'm totally into this i thought you were going to start on b you don't like that it's not that i don't like it i kind of really and like it. b uh so a was i'm into it and b is this some questions um do you know so first of all, do we assume that for the sake of magic, your iPhone will continue to work for at least a few months inexplicably? Because I well, don't know if the, they had one. Did they have one ten back then? Yeah, right. I mean, the, yes, they did, and you could still plug your iPhone if you had an iPhone charger. You could still plug it into an outlet in okay. nineteen forty. Okay. But you don't. But you have no internet. Mm-hmm. It's just what you've loaded into the thing. Okay, I think that's I think that's plausible. Okay, and they don't know you have it. Um, are you going? Do you know the specific? Within like a week or so, do you know the specific time that you're traveling to? Yeah, let's say September 1940. September 1940. The war in Europe is raging, but America is taking an isolationist stance. The Japanese are moving into Manchuria. Stalin has made a separate peace with Hitler. Bob Hope's still funny. Bob Hope, hilarious. Very, very funny. Hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Orson Welles, irrelevant. Okay, and just to director, hmm, just to get it out of the way, I I, I don't want to go too far here, but are you going to be around people? Are you going to go to like your mom's people or your dad's people? Are they around people who might eventually, after a couple of drinks, warm up to the idea that you might be from the future if you make the case? Well, here's the problem. I imagine this time traveling happening in place. So, my, the house that I'm sitting in right now existed in 1940. Oh, and right. so all of a sudden, I am sitting in the same room I'm sitting in, but it, the house belongs to somebody else, and it's 1940. And I, and unfortunately, unfortunately for me right now, <laughs> I'm in a green striped shirt, my underwear, and a pair of house slippers that are made by Uggs. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Do, do you know when the time travel is going to happen? It's like, going to happen. In, in your time in the current universe? It's going to happen. It could well, happen, no, but it's going to come. It could be a surprise. It's going to happen in two hours because I have that long oh, of to course, fill up my phone. So you have time to change. You have, have time, time to, to put some pants bookmark on, mark a few things, get okay. a pair of glasses that look like they're from 1940. Because the easy one, in some ways, is if you meet somebody who's probably a lunatic or a comic book writer. If you met one of those people and you could say the closing price of U.S. Steel is going to be this tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. That's one. And then you might seem a little like a magician, but that's one way you could prove it. Or you could say, like, here's the name of a young person, a surprisingly young celebrity, maybe, who will die tomorrow from emphysema. Yeah, right. So I would bookmark 1940 deaths. But all of the the problem with that is that all of those, if you think about somebody showing up at your house right now, Mm -hmm. knocking on the door and saying, hello, Merlin man, you are someone who knows about... Like uh, you who who is well versed in science fiction, let me tell you a story. I am your descendant from the future. I have come here. I know the following intimate details about you, and he says two or three things that your great grandson might plausibly know, but that are still like 
intimate details. <laughs> and then he says, tomorrow... Get less interested in autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> tomorrow, Carly Rae Jepsen is going to die of emphysema. And you're like, uh-huh. Okay. And then it ha- <laughs> Is and that it the happens. call me maybe lady? I don't know. That's okay. just a name that popped into my head <laughs> that, I, that I read on the internet sometimes and I don't research. Okay. Uh, and then you're like, okay. Sure. Come in. Like... I'm not going to introduce you to my family quite yet, but come into the entryway. Like, come into the anteroom, and let's talk about this a little bit longer. Tell me more about myself from the future. And then, pretty soon, everything that this person says is going to sound like bullshit, because they're going to say, well, in ten more years, Merlin Man, you become a widely known internet celebrity. I get it. "Mm -hmm, I get it. how, how 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 can I verify that? And everything he's telling you about yourself in the past, except for, it could be could be just like that he researched it on the internet really well. You know? Right. So I don't know. It's very. I spend a lot of time imagining myself walking down the street in 1940 in my UGGs with my historically inappropriate glasses, thinking, "How am I going to walk into a diner and tell the guy something that's going to make him want to give me a turkey dinner <laughs> without becoming a war profiteer?" <laughs> And oh, initially, you're probably going to have to, you're going to be like a hobo, right? You got to look for chalk marks, be willing exactly. to chop some wood. Exactly. You got to work your way up. Yeah. And, and, and the natural place to start is with your family. But is that, sh- is that something you should do? Should you go to your great grandmother's uh, house? I, I think possibly, but I also think based on reading some Pulp Fiction, that if you were to meet a floozy Uh-oh. who maybe had uh, a laudanum problem, well, well, that okay. wouldn't be a floozy. I guess that would be like a fancy society lady, like maybe yeah. somebody from a Preston Sturgis film. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I'm just saying, if you met somebody, maybe how about how about uh, somebody who should have been an heiress? It's the daughter of somebody powerful who's the black right. sheep, the African American sheep. If you were to get in good with her, you know, you might be able to bring her around. Now, think about uh, what's that? Uh, what's that William Powell movie? You know, uh, with the. Um, Oh, the famous William Powell movie where he goes and uh, poses, uh, he's a hobo, and then he becomes like, doesn't matter. But there are, there's a lot of films of the time where that kind of thing happened. You got Frank Capra making, right. making music. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because the thing yeah, is, you're, you're going to you, You're, you're going to try, you, your, your plan is that you want to convince somebody in the past to, to believe that you are from the future. Well, yes, I think, eventually. But I think that the thing is, before you try to use science, you're going to have to build, re- well, first of all, you know, B, you're going to need relationships. But right. A, you're going to need credibility. Well, the thing you is, you've got to not seem like a kook. Right. 1940 is pre- Female orgasm. When did that? Do you have a sense of when that started? Was that 1964? I think I don't think a woman had an orgasm until Kinsey, until the Kinsey report. Because he knew Unless, really, he knew how I to mean, please a lady. That's the thing is they had a lot of accidental orgasms, but they thought that it was some kind of uh, consumption. Was that usually horse, go, horseback riding or dryers? Like, do you yeah, have a sense? Or, you know, they they slid down the banister. I don't know what. Yeah, they egg uh, beaters. It was before mechanical dryers, too. So, again, women... <laughs> you have to have your crippled son turned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was some kind of... It was like a washboard, they, and that's a much different orgasm. So, so you know, women were they lying down... They rough riding. On, <laughs> they were lying down on fainting couches wondering what's going on with them. And you could arrive in that time and be like, listen, I know a secret. I have a magic secret. Want to see what I can do? And I think that would gain you entrance to... The confidence of a of a rich society lady that had maybe like a a laudanum addiction, if you could just get 
you know, through the, if you could get through the petticoats to say like, I know a thing that you don't know. I think you're answering your own question here. I think you need to come in and seem like a reliable coxman who's willing to cut some wood. Yeah. I'm just, I'd show up and I'd cut a rakish figure and mm-hmm. I would say, listen, I know that my glasses <laughs> seem to be made out of a mysterious substance uh, that looks a little bit like tortoise shell. You could tell them they're goggles. I could say these are, space science, goggles. these are science goggles, and my my uh, my slippers are inexplicably complicated. I think the slipper. I have to tell you, John. I don't want to judge. I think the slippers are a fucking non-starter. Really? I think you need to go get some brogues. Okay. Now wait a minute. This is like one of those Minecraft kind of things. You're going to have to go in and figure out like how to get because your money's useless, right? If you show up, you show up with uh, you show up with some Kennedy dollars. Yeah. They're going to say he's not even. We don't know who Kennedy is. Right. But here's the thing. You have this iPhone mm-hmm. that that will make you look like a, a wizard, but also make you look like a witch. But you can't get the internet on it. You can't get the internet on it, but you can. It's a little tiny black box that you push a button and all of a sudden a photograph appears. Yeah. All of a sudden a little video game appears. Now, tell me that you go, you go to the University of Washington and you go into some... Uh, some uh, mechanical oh, the guys engineering. With the, not a univac, but you go in someplace where they got uh, the difference engine or whatever. Yeah, you find Richard Fenneman mm. and you say, listen, I need to talk to you for just a second. And then you open up your coat and you go, beep, boop, 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 boop. And he sees it and he goes, what the fuck is that? And wh- who the fuck are you? And then you go, exactly. Buy me a turkey oh. dinner and we can talk about this. Okay. This is right. getting boring, probably, but you could find <laughs> out what nerds were about to make that was groundbreaking. Uh-huh. Maybe it's maybe sure. it's like behind the Richard scenes. Bateman, you go, hey, split any atoms lately? Or you go, you go, oh, you know, uh, that's a that's a real challenging problem you've got. Uh, and then let me, you, you pull up your phone, you show this is the formula or this is the finished product, and he's going to go. Only he would be able to understand like how much that was a thing. He'd be excited that he knows he gets it done. Right? Feynman is a bad example because in 1940 he was still working in some. You'd have to find Fermi. Where the hell was he in 1940? Was he still in Europe? I don't know. This is complicated. Was he in the Manhattan Project? Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet he was still in Europe. <clears throat> you'd have to. You'd have to go. A lot of those guys got out by then, though. You'd have to go to. This is the thing. We're we're establishing a list. You go to Wikipedia mm-hmm. and you you. You uh, you Google all the atomic scientists and every, okay, you're right. This is getting boring. Or your simple-minded floozies of, uh, of Seattle. <laughs> you have to make two lists: category colon floozies who have never had an orgasm, and atomic scientists who are on their way to America. And uh, and you, you know, you appeal to both sides. We have an Arby's near our house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's near a, a, the Lucky that we go to sometimes for groceries. They got a sporting goods store. My daughter likes to go to. They've got a Ross dress for less that we can see from our our back window. That's it's nice pretty close. And uh, I've only been there about two or three times. But first of all, Arby's has gotten a little overwhelming. They've moved beyond there. And did you know that? Did you know that Arby's? I don't know if it's an acronym or a backronym, but did you know that Arby's is an acronym? America's roast beef, yes, sir. That's right. You can tell us from a different time because it's polite. Yeah, America's roast beef, yes, sir. This can't be yogurt. Today it would be Arfu. It would be America's this, roast beef. Fuck you. <laughs> this country's best yogurt. Do you remember when this can't I be can't yogurt? I can't fucking came? believe this is yogurt. <laughs> Change to this uh, this country's best yogurt. I was very offended by that. Oh, where they had to spell it out? No, TCBY started yeah. out as this can't be yogurt, and then like two years in, 
they came back they came back around and they were like this country's best yogurt oh. because some focus group felt like this can't be yogurt was negative uh had a negative impact. it's like a don't think of an elephant problem yeah. that's pretty good that's, that's yeah and what about tg didn't it used to just be tgifs didn't they didn't they uh use retcon to go back and make a tgi fridays i don't know the answer to that hmm, i always you, thought it was tgif fridays tgif for fridays there's a <laughs> lot of simplification you know what i mean yeah, they this try to usually Fridays. Well, I went in there, and they, like everywhere, including Hell, the Taco Bell KFC, they've greatly extended their product line into areas they just shouldn't even be in. Oh, right, of course, they've got mushrooms now. Fucking salads. Ugh. You know, here's the thing. This is this is going to when you go into the past. Please tell people about this. Okay. I think they might have already known about this. If you go into that diner, obviously yeah. don't don't order. Uh, don't you know. Michael J. Fox, your way into a Pepsi. You want to go in there. You want to go in there and know something. Yes, for a beefsteak, yeah. right? With French fried potatoes or something. You want to sound I'm, sensible. I, I'm going to say turkey dinner. I'm going to say every time turkey dinner. I think if you say blue plate special, you'll be in good shape. Uh, you're right, blue plate special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the guy's going to say fifteen cents, and I'm going to go, oh shit. <laughs> My dime has Roosevelt on it. May I pay you with laser money? <laughs> it's here in my phone. Let me I understand. say, good sir, would you like to see a video game? <laughs> Is that worth your 15 cents? Are you familiar with porn <laughs> Have Let me tell you, let me ask you this. Has your wife ever had an orgasm? <laughs> Don't answer. I'm going to travel back in time and take that back. Um, hmm. So anyway, we went in there, and you know what I got? I got the classic. I got the thing I always get. And first of all, when I go to Arby's now, because of my personality and my problems, I overorder because I think I'm not going to be back here soon. You get three French dip sandwiches, don't you? No. You know what I do? I do beef and cheddar. Beef and cheddar. I like it, except it's got an onion bun. You don't like an onion bun? I'm, you know, if I you like want, onions and you like buns, I like onions and I like buns, but I don't want an onion bun on my beef and cheddar. You don't keep buns in the house unless you're going to have a, a, a barbecue. I don't seem creepy, but I but I, but I've listened to the show a lot. If I if I go, I don't keep buns in the house. First of all, you're absolutely you got right. wieners, but no buns. And that's right. I have a lot of wieners and no buns. You get the you get the buns fresh, and then the second thing is, if I go to a bagel place and I say the first thing I say is, give me a sesame seed bagel. If they don't have sesame seed bagels, I'm already suspicious. I will then go to poppy seed. If they are out of poppy seed, I will, against my better judgment, get an everything bagel. Mm-hmm. And if they are out of those, then we are done. This transaction is over. That's a, that's not- a shiksa thing to do, isn't it? When you go and get an everything bagel, isn't, isn't that kind of a an tell? Everything, that is exactly right. An everything bagel is the most goyish bagel that you can possibly order. It is, it is the worst. Yeah. I want a sesame seed bagel. That's what I want. And I am not... Also, the, the pork chop and milk one is not... When, when somebody goes and gets a dozen bagels and they come in there, they're like, hey, I came to the party and I got a bag of bagels. And you open it up and you realize that they got onion bagels. It's like, why are you going to pollute this bag of bagels with these dumb onion bagels? Mm-hmm. Like, onion bagels should be sequestered to another part of the store. Onion bagels should come in their own bag, and I don't want onion bun on on my beef and cheddar. I think yes, but I love I, onions. But well, I love- onion bagels should be like a gent magazine. If you're gonna want to go enjoy that by yourself, that's fine, but don't bring it to the conference room because mm-hmm. a nobody likes a fucking onion bagel, and b it's gonna stink up the room and the bag, and right. it's gonna screw up the bagel experience for everybody. That's right. Don't sit on an airplane. Oh and, God! And read FHM magazine. 
Hmm. You know what I'm saying? They used to have a much longer name, you know. <laughs> America's Softcore, yes, sir. For His Majesty's Pleasure Magazine. <laughs> I do not want to see a guy fucking on an hot masturbation. Yeah, wh- reading one of those like magazines that is ostensibly about stereo equipment and men's fashion, but is really about uh, like jacking off to Carmen Electra. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing I want to see. Hmm. If you're if you're on an airplane. You should you should be required by law to have either a copy of Vanity Fair, which is a magazine I do not subscribe to, hmm. because I feel it is. You mean like the existentially, or you don't have yeah, it come to your I think house? It, I, I feel like Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair. Uh, although th- this is the problem, every every issue of Vanity Fair has one article in. it. I sent you one. I know. Did you read one it? article in it? I did. One article in it that is really interesting to me, and I really, really want to read it. And then white people at parties. But that's the problem. The rest of the magazine like promulgates this middle-brow concept of what high class is. Oh, it's like the Olive Garden of uh, periodicals. It absolutely is. It, 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 it perpetuates this Tommy Hilfigerization of America, <laughs> where like the cheapest version of the Hamptons is is like smeared like government mayonnaise <laughs> smeared like, like like government margarine across America and people are like that's what I aspire to I aspire to have no taste I aspire to be a person who I aspire to be a nouveau riche person who thinks that uh, you know who thinks that an interest in the Kennedys constitutes uh, being like a a, a, a a person of culture, it's like calling yourself a civil war buff. Oh my god, civil war buff. Mm-hmm. That should be that should be somebody who shines shoes. I I um uh, I, I have a pair of cream colored calfskin gloves waiting to slap anyone across the face who calls themselves a civil war buff. <laughs> Just because there's so many of them. Just because civil war buff is not a thing. Okay. It is not a thing that you should describe yourself it's like as. like military intelligence. You should say, you should say, um, you should say so many things before you get to civil war buff that you just never get to civil war buff. Would you say enthusiast or scholar? Or you know, is, it, it, is it the civil war part? It's just too easy. Any more, I would say cosplayer. <laughs> I am becoming more and more, I am becoming more and more enamored with this cosplay. Me too. Uh, uh, this cosplay thing that's happening across America. We talk about the and, comics problem. And I'm, I'm realizing that cosplay is this over this this umbrella definition that basically is like thirty percent of Americans are just cosplaying at any given moment. Oh, you're taking it. You're taking it broader than some manga character I've never heard of. You're saying that, that this, it's a it's a costume drama at a national scale. When I walk into a downtown office building now. I stand in the lobby, and I watch the people come and go, and I'm like, fully half these people are cosplaying. They are cosplaying gray flannel business people, and it's like I am getting serious. I'm I'm spending a lot more time downtown lately now that uh, now that cosplay is an idea in my head. I think you could definitely travel back to 1978 and mm-hmm. Rolling Joints on a Van Halen album, and that remark would really blow people out of the room. <laughs> I feel like... It's I like, like there's a costume made of a suit that these guys in a building are wearing. Listen, man, a suit is just a modern suit of armor. <laughs> except 
it's not protecting you against sores. It's like Brooks Brothers chain mail. Yeah, it's protecting you against Scion. How do I know that you see the same green that I see? If I time traveled back to 1978, I would have no trouble establishing my credibility. You go right to Mike Anthony. I would go right to Mike Anthony and say, "Ready, and you would say, "I'm the ghost of Jack Daniel's base future." Don't do that douchebag thing where you play an open A and pump your fist. I would do that. Uh, you know, you know what I would do? I walk into the first head shop and I would say, "Ready, dudes? Ready? Ice in your bong." Oh, dude, or Mind cinnamon? Drop. Cinnamon, Boom. dude. Ah. Mind blown. And everybody would be like, what? what? Did he just say ice in the bong? And there'd be a guy already running out the door to the nearest 7-Eleven to get a bag of ice. Mm-hmm. Like, That's right. Nobody thought of that before. That was not invented until the early 80s. There but, weren't that boom. many. There's never historically, I, I don't know if this is on Wikipedia, but there's never historically been a group as open to improvement opportunities as people in the 70s who did too many drugs. That's exactly right. Don't I you think? You. Well, d- now, now in, in 1978, did they have... 64 ounce bottles of pop like no you just you drugs. had to, you had to go out and buy what would that be four 16 ounce bottles right but did they have pl- they didn't have plastic bottles of pop yet no i think there may have been t- especially from kentucky fried chicken you might have been able to get a two liter bottle in my case we had returnable glass bottles like a fucking gentleman and yeah. you would go out and get an eight pack of 16 ounce coke bottles not to answer your question no i don't think they did well so so that means that the two liter bottle with the bottom cut off Used as a hash bong, where you fill the you fill the bottle up with. So, are you are you familiar with this technology? You I've done a, the thing where you light it under a glass and then suck out the smoke from under the glass. Now you take a two liter pop bottle, you cut the bottom off of it. You mm-hmm. you. Oh, submer- is this when you put it in a bathtub. Yeah, you submerge it in water. Yeah. Then you put a bowl on top of it, like a bowl made out of uh, tin foil that you you've poked little holes in. You put a big block of hash on the top you light it and then you pull the bottle up out of the water mm-hmm. creating suction science fills the bottle full of super intense dope smoke mm-hmm. and then you put your mouth over you take the bowl off you put your mouth over the top of the bottle and you push it down into the water and it hyper impels all this dope smoke into your lungs and then you are baked Do you put ice in the water you could. I never thought of that until just now. No one in no one had invented that in 1978. You could be a god among men. You would get you get so much free weed because you would be like the Johnny Appleseed of, of weed technology. Yeah. The problem, of course, is that I don't smoke pot anymore. Bet so you would that, have then. I would have, but I'm me now. Going back then, I'm not going to go back. I'm not, I'm not going to go to. I have so much to teach um, you about multiverses. I guess. I don't know. See, the, my, my other idea, I want to get back to potato cakes in a minute, but my other idea that I'm already thinking is is defeating the purpose would be if once you – see, it doesn't matter. Once you've talked them into the fact that you're a time traveler, you get a photo of you and that person standing there geni- genially holding next week's newspaper. That's going to be hard to do on day one. Yeah. I think you should focus on the blue plate special to start out and get some decent shoes. Right. But anyway, you know what? It is boring, but I, that's the kind of thing I think about. Yeah, unfortunately, it is me too, and I hope that our listeners also like to think about that stuff because we just talked about it for an hour. Yeah, I went to the uh, I went to the Filson store yesterday. Oh, that's the waxy pant place. Waxy pants, and I had the most amazing experience. I'm still trying to parse because it is a little bit of a time traveler experience. Mm. Hmm. 
I went into the Filson store where I know a guy. I, I have a friend who works there. And I walk in and he says, your name came up yesterday. There's a guy who works here at the store who is like the institutional memory of Filson. He's been working here for 15 years. He knows everything about Filson. You can, you can show this guy a Filson garment that was made any time in the last 100 years, and he can tell you when it was made. He can, he, can, he, you know, he can ID any Filson thing, but he also knows all the history, all the legends. And I said, tell me more. This guy seems very interesting to me. And my friend said, well, he claims to know you. And I'm like, hmm. tell me more. And he hmm. says, he claims to have worked at a pizza parlor with you 20 years ago. And I did work at a pizza parlor 20 years ago. It was a pizza parlor where, like your story about Pizza Hut, we used to make the sauce in a 50-gallon garbage can with a boat paddle. <laughs> like literally a canoe paddle. This is Pagliacci <laughs> pizza for those of you in the Northwest. If you want to know how we make the sauce at Pagliacci, it is in a garbage isn't can. The, isn't, that the crying, isn't that the crying clown? <laughs> <laughs> we make the red sauce with canoe paddle. Yeah, it's the crying clown with the with the pointy hat, stirring <laughs> sauce in a garlic can with a paper. Sleep tight. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So anyway, I'm standing here in the store, and my friend runs into the back, and he brings this guy out, and this guy. Is he's bald and he has a gray beard and if I passed him on the street I wouldn't have recognized him, but when I look in his eyes I I realize this is a guy I know I knew him twenty years ago I recognize him he was like a a young mod at the time he is actually the guy who in- introduced me to my bloody Valentine this kid Whoa. when he was twenty and I was twenty two or something like that and now he's standing in front of me dressed head to toe in like filson wool and wax canvas and he's he's gray and 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 uh and bald but he is he is this kid now i see it in his eyes is he is he our age he's our age yeah and so he comes out and we look at each other and it's like oh my god hello like i haven't seen you in 20 years and all the staff of filson's like uh, it's kind of late in the day. There are not very many customers. All the staff of Filson starts gathering around us. And this kid, this guy who is the institutional memory of Filson, he turns to his employees or all these people around him. And he says, the first Filson garment I ever saw or was ever aware of. John Roderick showed me in 1992 he was wearing a jacket, and he and I were hanging out, and I said, what kind of jacket is that? Is that a Pendleton? And John looked at me like I was stupid and said, you don't know about Filson? What are you, some fucking kind of idiot? That sounds like you. And then he proceeded to explain to me what Filson was. Wow. And one year later, I got a job here, and I've been working here ever since. You changed his life. Well, I mean, you literally changed his life. And then he said, and then I became an Alaskan adventure guide, and now I spend four months a year in Alaska guiding people in the backcountry, and the rest of the year here at Filson, like, 
selling. So he's out. He's out there now, like in the shit, testing that stuff out. He's in the shit, and has been for ever since. And so I'm standing there in this weird, like time warp vortex, where this this guy is telling me that a lot of the information that he has, which he is the only repository of the legend of Filson and all this knowledge of Filson gear that because Filson was sold sometime in the, in 2005 sold to a group of investors headed by some douchebag from Ralph Lauren Mm. who tried to turn it into like a national brand and they fired all the old people. And oh, they they're st- trying to like like uh, like REI North Faceify it. Exactly, they tried to North Faceify it. They tried to offshore the construction of stuff to China. Fuck. All this stuff that was terrible. And then someone came in, bought Filson back from them, reestablished that they were making all that equipment in Seattle again. They have they have they have a manufacturing plant in the back of the store where they make all that shit right there. And this kid is one. This this guy, this friend of mine, is like one of the only survivors who was there through the whole thing. He's he he is the source of the knowledge that makes Filson what it is today, and he only knows about Filson because twenty years ago I made him feel like a dumbass for not knowing what the brand of the jacket I was wearing, which was a which was already a twenty year old jacket that I you know that I was wearing as a kind of like well whatever i whatever my trip is but so so i was in this like weird like what if i never existed what if i didn't you know like now i'm buying filson gear now i'm worshiping this this the last brand that is being made right and yet like i now i feel like i'm i somehow i played a i played a shaping role in the fact that it even exists like it does now and uh, and then I went home and I and I uh, I played with myself. <laughs> John, <clears throat> before I knew you, I had a copy of your your first record album, and uh, it's clear from the many letters that people have sent you. What was it, uh, John? You're uh, you're was you're a first class bullshitter that that, <laughs> that that you've ruined a lot of people's lives. Let me ask you mm. this, and clearly you've made your peace with that. Or, or not. But here's the thing. Like, does it occur to you the influence that you may have on a people in a given day? Cause that, that's freaky to me. Like, if I started thinking about that a lot, playing with myself or otherwise, that, that freaks me out a little bit to think about again, Peter, you know, Peter Schaefer, moments snap together like magnets. You don't know, you don't know who you're going to influence in it. You certainly didn't wake up in whatever 1991 thinking I'm going to make somebody feel bad about my jacket. And now he's in Alaska. Yeah. Isn't right. that kind of, well, it feels like a lot of responsibility. Well, it's that crazy butterfly effect, and it's true of every single person in the world. You cannot know how that little encounter on the bus may transform the world. And that person is like, that guy who looked at my shoes, like, I, 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 might, I probably told you this story. The guy on the subway where I was so enamored with his Cordovan boots, <laughs> and... And he's this, he's a, like a middle-aged black guy who's like dressed in, he's a, he's a working class guy, but he's wearing these boots, these work boots. And they're the most gorgeous things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm sitting across from him and I'm staring at his boots and he's just kind of, you know, he's like a 60 year old guy. He's just, he's just riding the subway back and forth to work. But I can see in these boots that, that he has cared. He cares about these boots and I'm looking at them and I'm going, okay, 
I don't think I've ever seen a thing as fucking foxy as these goddamn boots. And I can't stop looking at him. And then I look up and he sees that I'm looking at his boots. And I give him a little like, like, I, I can't, I can't keep his gaze. I'm so, I'm so in awe of what these boots are saying about this guy. The, 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 the meticulous care that he has put into the, these boots, which he has clearly had for 28 years. And, and, and he looks at me and he, and I, and he's got a, he's, he's so kind in his eyes. And I look away like a, like a, like a young girl. And then I look back at him and he's looking at me still. And I look down at his boots and I give him like this respectful nod, like, I see your boots. I see them. I and you, you can tell, though, that he's, he takes pride in these, and he wouldn't just think you're a creepy guy on the bus. Oh, no, no, no. He knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. And he gives me a nod like a fucking Buddha. Mm. And he goes, that's right. <laughs> yes. And I look away, and I swear to you, I'm blushing. <laughs> and I'm like, this man knows things. He knows more about things than I do. And you can see it in these goddamn boots. And then we got to the next stop and I had to get off the subway. I couldn't be on the car with him. It was you, too you were, heavy. You were losing, you afraid you, were, you would lose your composure. And I got off the, I got off the subway and I turned around and he was looking at me and I gave him a little bow and was just like, I, I cede to you this subway car. I cede to you this train. It, uh, it, it I, do, I am not worthy to be on this train. And the door closes and off he goes into the, into the, tunnel and the thing is i don't know what this guy does he's a he is a mechanic or some kind of he works uh with his hands but someone saw him in the world and he knew it he knew that he had been seen and i do not know if he was used to being seen that way. He works with some guys. They know who he is. He just travels the subway, and to most people, he's just a guy. He's just one more New York guy on the subway. But I saw him. And, you know, who knows whether he took that knowledge that now he had been recognized, and he took that into that subway tunnel and on to the rest of his day and on to the rest of his life. And I don't know what happens. I don't know whether that is... Whether recognizing him in that way, like activated his powers in a different light. Do you imagine that he gets that a lot? No. No, no, no. It's especially mean, not in New York. That's a shoe city. So there's a lot of people who are pretty pleased with their shoes. You probably don't is. get the head nod. <clears throat> and I'm sure he I'm sure he gets people that are like, oh nice boots. But to recognize what to recognize that those boots were communicating something about him, I don't I oh, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I have never seen I have never seen a story of a man writ in his boots like that one encounter where it was just like those are that is not a boot you can buy. That is not a boot that is a boot you have to make. Hmm. So that butterfly effect where it, 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 it's it can be so small. I mean with this with this this kid I had no idea that he was so that that Filson story and my sort of Alaskan uh, bravado combined at, at, because I was only 22 
that it combined at that time to be something that would make him pers- like change the course of his life from being like a little mod rocker kid to becoming an Alaskan hunting guide. Mm-hmm. You, you have a moment like that on the subway where you're like, I see you. I know that you are bigger than you let on. And then he gets, he gets, goes down the road and he's like, wait a minute, that kid's right. I'm bigger than I let on. Mm-hmm. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. I am recognizable. The thing that, the thing about me that is big is recognizable to people. And the problem is that most people don't see it. Not that I'm not actually that big, but he might, he might've known that the, that they were cool and that they were maybe even unique, but he maybe hadn't internalized that he was the one who had the foot in those, like that there was something bigger going on than nice footwear. But I mean, he nodded at me like the fucking Buddha. I swear to you, he Mm. knows, he knows it's just, I'm not sure if he knows that, that other people can see him. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, and I don't, I'm not even sure whether that is a good thing that I, that I did by seeing him, you know, like maybe the awareness that he is visible to the, to the world in that way. Maybe that is, maybe that like, uh, was a ripple in the, in the force somehow. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I, I choose not to think about it. And I trust that that man has the, I trust that he has the capacity that he is capable of going and using that power for good because he seemed like one of, he seemed like a good wizard. Mm. I I bet you, I bet you've had this effect on, on, uh, Certainly, on more people than uh, just the my uh, the waterproof my bloody Valentine guy. I bet you've I bet you've I bet you've changed a lot of lives. Well, you should give my, yourself credit. Is what I'm saying. My knowledge or, or of blame. the female orgasm has definitely changed people's lives. Yeah, you can't prove a negative. It's it's good to know because I mean you're going to save a lot of time and frustration and chafing. You know what I mean? You, you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, you know go fracking where there's no gas. Yeah, listen, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. We know how this is done. Mm-hmm. Wheels we we don't have orgasms. Let's just settle down. They, they let's roll. Just settle down. Everybody breathe. <laughs> Easy. We'll, we'll, that's right. Easy there. Easy there. <laughs> You're feeling your oats. Now let's. Now let's just. <laughs> let's just all think about what we've done. Let's lower the lights. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I do. I do feel like one of the things, one of the powers that we can we can uh, exercise with one another is that power of recognition when you see someone in the world and you see that they are taking great care about a certain aspect of themselves or you see that they are that that they are you know that they are interacting with the world in a way that is more profound than than other people are aware of in the in the small spaces that we you know that we share with one another when you see those things I have always felt an obligation to acknowledge them to the other person. You know, like I cannot pass somebody who is, who has, who has taken the time and energy to tailor themselves or Mm -hmm. to, or somebody who does a small kindness on the street that no one else notices or someone who just has a certain way of, of walking off the curb into the street with that, that is, that is more elegant than the, than the moment necessitated i pay i pay attention to those things overtly i will you know i spend more time on the street bowing to people and congratulating them 
uh, and, it, and it actually impedes my progress through the city. Like it takes me an extra half an hour to get anywhere because when I see somebody who does something or, or has, you know, or, or even is just walking around and looking up at the second story of buildings and noticing the cornices. If I see someone doing that, I pay them the compliment of noticing it. And, um, that is a thing we can all do more of. Mm-hmm. And just say, like, not only like nice shoes, but like, aha, uh-huh, I see your shoes. I wish I'm- there was, I wish I, I feel, I think, I never thought of it quite the way you're saying, but I, I definitely feel the same way. Um, I mean, there's just sometimes when you see somebody and you're like, wow, you know what? You win today. Yeah. Like, not you win today. You win today. Like, you, you, you are, I wish I could say to like this African American lady who smells really cool and has a giant <laughs> hat with feathers and has clearly has an extraordinary level of dignity and self worth and carriage where you just want to go, you know what? You are so fucking cool. And there's yeah. no way, I don't know, there's not a great way to say that without sounding creepy. But I totally agree with you. It's something about carriage. There's some, sometimes you mm-hmm. just see the way somebody handles themselves where, you know, they're just in that Miles Davis sense. Not, you know, that he's black, but I mean, they're cool in like the old sense of the word. Like they're self-possessed. And, well, this is what I have learned in, in, in my life, which is that no one doesn't appreciate being told that they look beautiful today. Mm-hmm. And it is the easiest compliment to pay, and you can say it as you pass someone on the street. Like, you look great today. And then you just keep going. There's nothing creepy about it. No one doesn't like that. Like, if you walk past a 70-year-old man who is wearing a suit and walking with a cane, and you say, you look great today, sir. Mm -hmm. That. There is no, there is no downside to that, you know, and the same is true about a 24 year old woman who looks great. You can pay her that compliment and it is not this world that we're living in where paying a woman a compliment on the street is some kind of objectifying uh, colonialization of her Mm -hmm. is a crazy is a crazy upside That's down. That's the world. kind of shit I believed when I was 21 and it's absolutely not accurate. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you look great what, today. what what nobody likes is somebody who is breaching their perimeter and acting creepy and leering. Like nobody right. likes that. My only addendum to what you're saying, I totally agree with what you're saying. My only addendum is to, well, first of all, stay in motion while you're doing it, but right. also, um, but also uh, it brings some specificity to it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if you say to that guy, sir, that suit is impeccable. Yes. Is one thing. Let's or you could just all. say, like, if you see, like, you pass that lady, that 24-year-old lady, and you go, you know what? Your hair is awesome. Exactly. There's nobody who has cool hair and is 24 that doesn't want you to go. And you know what I'll do sometimes? I will leave off the dependent clause, or I guess, yeah, independent clause, of I, I almost always hate tattoos, but, and I will say, that is a really cool fucking tattoo. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's no you know, what, what's that person want to hear? Do you think they yeah. want to hear like, oh, that too, that, that's another tattoo, good for you? Yeah. No, I mean, if somebody has taken the time to do something, they appreciate it being appreciated. Yeah, that's right, and it's and and it and it's a rare moment in the day where you can make it not about you for a second. Like you know, you, they don't care what you're feeling about tattoos. Is you can just say, I love that tattoo. Your hair looks great. You know, like. Well, and that's maybe that's the maybe the part of the core of it is um, there's certainly some sm- some small part of it that is about you, the compliment giver. Part of the problem with the leering and the creepy and and that stuff and getting into the speci- specificity of you look like you have hard nipples, like that's a little too specific. <laughs> but like if the, the that compliment is really all about you, the giver, 
Hmm. You know, um, like there's this one guy in my neighborhood who I hope dies with fire and he hmm. just walks around and he's just, I want to hate this guy so much. He just walks around going, Hey, can I buy you dinner tonight? Oh yeah. And it's well, like, it's, Oh, it's I the, understand it's, you. You want me to suck your cock? That's hilarious. It's the David Cross thing. You know, if you ask a hundred women, maybe one of them's going to want to fuck on a pile of trash. <laughs> It's called the lottery. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I, 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 you know, uh, there's this definition of love that's a little fruity, but one definition of love I think is nice is that you care more about the happiness and welfare of someone else than you do about your own. I think that applies to, to compliments too. And yeah. the thing is, if that compliment is tendered uh, with dignity and honesty and enthusiasm and then you fucking move on mm-hmm. – I th- I don't I don't think there's a world in which somebody doesn't appreciate. It. You know what? And if that person, let's be honest, as cool as they might be, if they don't appreciate that, fuck them. Well, that's their problem, and and it's not. You don't even have to carry it with you because you're already down the street. I mean, I will say that every once in a while, I stop and say, "Madame, yeah, your décolletage is raising a volcanic <laughs> feeling in my in the in the mountain of a man that I am." Madam, may I speak with some candor? <laughs> Your first, and, your first through third petticoats left me nonplussed. And the then I fifth say, through ninth have left me rigid and curious. Are you familiar with the female orgasm? Is it a thing that you have experienced firsthand? Is that dress felt? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> dignity, man. Fucking dignity is in short supply. Because the problem is, this, this, this has to do with, with everything we're talking about here. Everything that's important. It's these misunderstandings about things that are, are they seem like shades of gray, but they really aren't. Dignity is not the same thing as being stuck up. Dignity no. is not the same thing as conceit. No. Or it is pretension. not. Right. I mean, absolutely. I I have seen all kinds of people of different classes. You know, the thing is, a lot of people who are rich have historical dignity, and they've never had their ass well and truly kicked, mm. right? Some, some. It's easy to have dignity if you've never, uh, you know, done a face plant. But there are a lot of people who, by virtue of the fact of having been through so many face plants, have a kind of quiet dignity. And yes. you could feel it in a room. When somebody like that walks in, you could be at the fucking DMV, and you see somebody who might be uh, like a, a, a tubercular Mexican man, but like you're like, you know what? Look at the way that guy carries himself. There's no way on my best healthy day that I could carry myself that well, and you feel it in the room. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly believe that. And I think dignity, as undignified as I may seem sometimes, uh, I really honor it in other people. I, I would like to seek it out in myself, and yeah. I think it's something that we've lost because it feels fancy. There is so much we've lost because it feels fancy. And I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, we, we live in a culture now where we, we have spent so much time feeling that uh, we have spent so much time uh, saying to ourselves over and over that narcissism is, uh, is like this uh, loving of oneself that is unbecoming. And so all of our narcissism as a culture is directed at hating ourselves. And we think that that makes you more authentic. Yeah. That because we hate ourselves somehow, the fact that we are still spending all day long uh, thinking only about ourselves, somehow it's not narcissistic because it's, because it is directed 
into this blackness. Oh, and I mean, let's go back to the Greeks. Let's go back to Narcissus. It doesn't matter what the emotion is. If it's an inward turning emotion that you are turning over in your mind for its own sake, whether you love or hate yourself, if you're obsessed about that, you're a narcissist. Right. And so, uh, frankly, of the two, having lived in a culture here in the Northwest where for 10 years, hating oneself was, was basically the, on- you're, you're the only creative reaction you could have to the world or the only acceptable creative reaction you could have to the world was hating yourself and realizing like, you know what, of the two, I would much rather people walk around. If they're going to be thinking about themselves all the time, why not love themselves? You know, I mean, and frankly, I think the route to thinking about other people comes through loving yourself rather than hating yourself. And I've watched so many people, artists and otherwise, who go down this death spiral of self-hate where they become the most narcissistic, the least li- lovable, the least likable, the least useful people, mm-hmm. because they are consumed with their with, with their own failings, and I, you know, and I'm guilty of this myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would I, uh, this, uh, and, and I think it changes with generations. And this new generation, one of the one of the reasons that people our age is so mad, uh, uh, people our age are so mad at. At uh, at twenty one year olds is that they seem to be having fun a lot of them, and you know it's a generation that maybe is going to turn the tide and be frivolous and be onanistic. But I feel like that is as that's as valid a a valid a form of of like uh, self obsession as as any of the grunge era boohoo hooing. I really do. Well, I mean, well, what could also, what could be, and maybe we're both guilty of this right now, but what could be more narcissistic than criticizing someone for not hating themselves in the same way that you do, mm. or that one does? Yeah. You know what I mean? And That's why I think punk rock is bullshit. Hmm. I'm not going to write that down. <laughs> you're not going to write, you're, you have an opportunity to write punk rock is bullshit on a three by five card. Write and then, down. and then give that, really. give that over the internet to some fan, and you're not, you're going to deprive them of that. L S H I T. Got it. Um, L S H I T. No, that was me pretending like I was finishing writing that down. Oh, I see. Um, um hmm. thought that was like a new, a new kind of shit. Like a here's a, here's a, a B yes. B. Here's my slight addendum to that. I agree with you, but here's my slight addendum to that is that loving yourself and accepting yourself are far from being the same thing because there are a lot of people who really fucking love themselves to the point of wanting to cry how much they love themselves, but they haven't ever really accepted themselves. And as Morrissey has told us, <laughs> why don't you accept? Why can't you accept yourself? Uh, why can't Morrissey right? accept himself? It's time the tale were told. Of how you took a child and you made him old, you made him old, you made him old. God. John, I dreamt about you last night and I fell out of bed twice. <laughs> you know, Do you know, loves, I, please, you're the bee's knees, everyone's I your friend. Everyone's your friend in New York City. I was at Filson yesterday and one of the <laughs> things that this guy, this friend of mine, who is the, the institu- institutional memory of Filson said is, he said, not very long ago, Johnny Mark came in. Shut up. Johnny Mark came in and he bought $2,000 worth of Filson clothes. Notwithstanding your feelings on the Smiths. Mm-hmm. Johnny Marr. Unbelievable. Fucking, suey fucking generous, the way That's that right. man plays. And now I know he's walking around somewhere, wherever that is. He's waterproof. He is completely waterproof. Does he live in Manchester? Uh, probably I think not. they call it Madchester. Madchester. Uh, he probably he probably lives in New York or I LA. Think he probably, I think he was living in Portland for a while because he was in Modest Mouse. Ugh. 
Well, he used to play with Billy Bragg too. He's done a lot of work. You he ever is, try? Hey, John, you ever try? You, you ever pull out that Rick? What do you got? A three thirty? What is that? That's right. You ever pull out the three thirty and try to play his parts? Johnny Marr. I mean, I know you're a really good guitar player. I mean, I still yeah. don't understand how you play shapes, especially live. But you ever try and play a Johnny Marr, Marr part? It's a lot more complicated than it seems. It's very complicated. He's like he, the not the anti Pete Townsend, but he's he's playing. He's covering a lot of ground with some crazy picking and open strings and like just play the beginning of this charming man and try to make it sound right. Yeah, he's it will not up sound a lot of peppy. space. Yo. It's a, it, it's the Peter Buck uh, it's the Peter Buck method of like I'm not doing anything. But I, I'm actually doing everything. Yeah, yeah. What was I watching? I was uh, I was watching. Um, oh, uh, you're not a big Bruce Springsteen fan, right? Not really. You're gonna you're, you're getting me in trouble with our listening public. I uh, but but I was. I, did you did you know that he burns? What does that mean? That he shreds. A Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Bruce is one of those guys. My understanding of him is that he, I mean he's not he's not a like a technical. You know, yeah. but I mean, he's, he's, cleaner, he he's cleaner than Jimmy Page, and he yeah. can do maybe not Prince style, but he can do some serious pull-offs and bends and shit when he wants yeah. to. He approached becoming a rock musician with a single-minded uh, sense of purpose. He was like the Ben Franklin of working man rock. He knew he knew where he was going. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Mm. And Sorry. so, as, so, so the the Holocaust of working man rock that we live in now is a product of Bruce Springsteen. I do agree with that. 100%. Oh, and the Holocaust of people who write and perform their own songs uh, is the uh, Holocaust of Bob Dylan. Mm. That's it's Bob. Bob Dylan is Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, the Beatles, and Neil Young are B amazing and A responsible for so much shitty music yeah, that they, they did the not four, create. The four writers of the apocalypse between Buffy Saint Marie. Maybe Joan Baez, but definitely Joni Mitchell. Do you realize how many shitty, trilling folk songs have come out? Do I realize? Do you realize? I live in I live in constant fear that I'm going to walk out the door and some woman with blonde hair is going to go. <laughs> Speaking of which, do you realize? Can you imagine how many shitty bands have started because of My Bloody Valentine? Can you imagine? I have I have stood at the foot of the stage and watched dozens of bad <laughs> of shitty bands that that started well i, I told let's you play a story. game called i turn off your pedals and see what you sound I, like <laughs> i told you the story about the time that guy came in to audition for the western state hurricane no 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 he came in and he was like you know i i think you guys are amazing i think you need another guitar player this is and I circa wanted, 97 98 yeah so, somewhere around there he came in and he 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 had this really cool les paul he was a very cool looking dude super cool kid and he set up his amp and his gear. He had a he had a AC thirty. It was so cool. And and then he starts setting up his pedals, <laughs> and he sets up these pedals in this semicircle around himself. And I'm sitting. I'm standing there, and I have one. You know, I have one pedal. I have a rat pedal. Your arms are folded. You're seated, and you're just waiting. <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm standing, but I'm standing there with my Rickenbacker and my rat pedal. <laughs> And I'm watching as this kid hear, sets up chunk, chunk, yeah. as he ch-chunk, plugs in patch ch-chunk. cables. <laughs> and you know, and and they, and every one of them has a nine volt battery. And he sets up this semicircle of pedals around himself. That is, that is three quarters of a circle around him. <laughs> it's something like twenty four. <laughs> Wait a minute, they're not on a board. They're not on a board. Okay. He's setting each one of them individually up <laughs> in a semicircle, a perfect. Like he he and he keeps kind of adjusting the radius as he goes, so that the circle is perfect. Right? <laughs> and they're all and even. I'm watching. I'm watching him, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, and I say, you know, so uh, so that's a lot of pedals. 
And he goes, well, you know, every one of them does a different thing, and I just use them. Uh, I use a season to taste. I use them as a as color. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this was at a time when I never touched the volume or tone knob on my guitar for any other purpose than than compulsively to make sure they were turned all the way up. Or like not feeding back. No, no, no. I never adjusted those knobs in any way other than to have make sure they were turned all the way up. And at wow. a certain point, I realized that I was so compulsive about touching these knobs to make sure they were all the way up that I just put duct tape across all of the knobs on my guitar so that I couldn't touch them, and they were just all the way up. I never made any adjustments of any kind to any of my gear. I just set all of it on 11 and then flew, you know? And so I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is what, maybe this guy's one of these guys that knows how pedals work, that knows how knobs work. And he's, he's, the reason he has four delay pedals is that every one of them is set to a different thing. Maybe this, maybe this guy's the edge. I was just thinking, maybe it's the edge and he's going to pull out something I've never heard before. Yeah. And so we start playing and the first song we play is Unsalted Butter. Uh, uh, Western State Hurricanes version, not Long Winter's version. Mm-hmm. Western State version was was more rock and roll, but still like bow no 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 do 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 do. It's like a it's like a tune with a with a, bow, a bouncing yeah. little melody. And this guy starts to play the rhythm part, and within forty five seconds, he has found a reason <laughs> to turn every pedal on. <laughs> he's got the flanger, and he's going wow. <laughs> And so we get to the end of the song, and he's just ripping my face off. You know? We get to the end of the song, and I was like, <clears throat> well, that was interesting. Um, let's, uh, why don't we move on, and we'll, uh, we'll try something that's a little, bit, you know, a little bit softer, a little bit more melodic. This has got a sort of a more of a, like a, uh, it's more, it's a cleaner tone. And he's like, okay, great, great, cool. And we start playing, you know, some, we start playing Through With Love or whatever, some song that's like, that's got a pretty... Pretty bouncy beat, and it's very chordal. And within 45 seconds, he's just... (laughs) (laughs) And the entire rehearsal was like this. He just... He seasoned to taste, and by seasoned to taste, he meant all 21 pedals on at all times. But at the end of every song, he turned every one of them off. Like, somehow... somehow, (laughs) Chalk! Chuck, the, launch, Chuck. the launch pad of like starting the tune and then hitting each pedal, boom, 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 like that was his tone. And I was like, I don't, I really don't think that this is well, when, when I, The reason I asked, uh, the obvious reason you already know why I'm asking this that he didn't have it on a board was, well, first of all, it sounds like he's in his mom's basement where he has a lot of control over what he does. If he had done that a lot and had played a lot of live shows with that shit, he would have a board. But also in my head, I'm thinking this is 11 points of failure. Because, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, you know, when I've played with pedals in the past, maybe I'm old and this technology has improved, but there were some things where, like, if that battery died, you lost the signal. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't just that your phase shifter wasn't as good. You had, you know what I mean? If it was, if, if it went you out. You could if, not take this rig on the road. It would be impossible. Well, I mean, if you're, okay, so if you're Charles Bissell, who, by the way, whose They Might Be Giants cover of the Land of Crane is pretty great. Um, but if you're, if you're Pedal Boy, literally, that's his nickname, Pedal Boy. Uh, Charles from the Wrens, like you, you know, he does magic with that stuff. What he does is very, very unusual. 
Yes. Don't, don't you think? I mean, I, I know it's not to everybody's taste. They're one of, personally one of my favorite bands, but I mean... Um, but here's the thing about Charles, and you know this from first-hand experience. If yeah. Charles has a Stratocaster plugged directly into a Fender Twin, he makes it sound incredible. He's, so he's, 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 a, he's a guitar teacher, and he plays like one. His, his playing guitar. is impeccable, and he, he does shit that I would never tell anybody in their first five years of guitar playing to play. Because if I told you to do that thing where you, where you go, Hong! across above the neck, yeah. like, you know who's but allowed I mean, to do that? Charles and Eddie Van Halen. Nobody else <laughs> is allowed to do that ever. Well, I do it sometimes when I'm really, you know, when I'm really when you're like, full of beans, your glasses fall off, you're doing yeah, Nora. I'm, I'm really thrusting Nora time, <laughs> thrusting my pants zipper at the people in the front. I row watched that video audience. of the hurricanes on that TV show when you're doing Nora. Yeah, and man, is that that was it? Was it like that when you guys would always play live? Was Nora was the show closer, right? Yeah, and my glasses would fly across the stage at some point, and and uh, toward the last, toward the end of the Reston State Hurricanes run, uh, we'd start, we'd get halfway through Nora, and uh, and everybody else in the band would like go to the outside edge of the stage and kind of cower behind their amps because they knew that I was about to become a cyclone. Devil dogs were in the pots. Yeah, that was at a time when I was, I had stopped drinking and doing drugs, but I still had a tremendous kinetic energy inside me right that only came out in rock and roll and it came out as a kind of violent explosion of clothes like everything came up <laughs> I, I was like the guy from wasabi Fog. oh is he the naked gay guy yeah 